as uh, always, it's a privilege for me to be before you, body of believers, brothers and sisters, and I appreciate the opportunity and the fact that Pastor Kevin trusts me. <laughs> Come up here and say stuff. <laughs> so that, that's always nice. Uh, and then my friend Everett said, gee, a Pentecostal teaching on Pentecost, that's out of uh, that, a little odd. Well, okay, <laughs> just happened to hit the right day, you know, so... <laughs> okay, so, so it just it just worked out that way again, Kevin. I, I don't I don't know how that happens. But okay. <laughs> In any event, um, so yes, it is Pentecost Sunday, and um, and so we're going to be in the Book of Acts, chapter one, um, chapter two, verses one through twenty-one is what I put down, but actually I'm going to forty-two, um, just to, for context purposes and reasons. So, um, if you have a Bible, please turn uh, with me there. Um, When we think of Pentecost, a lot of times we don't have a good context of it uh, other than it's something we celebrate. Well, what is that? And we we kind of vaguely know, well, it's in the book of Acts and and there was something really weird that went on when this occurred and uh, the Spirit of God showed up as in the Holy Spirit and uh, these uh, people, 120 in this room, suddenly were um, overcome, blessed, if you will, and empowered by this Holy Spirit. And so we're going to discuss that, and I'm going to have a few questions for you folks, and uh, not that I expect you to answer. They're just rhetorical, just in case. Don't jump up and start giving me answers. Okay, so here we go. Uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under the heaven. I stopped there for a moment. God-fearing. Okay? They were anticipating and they knew God was and these were described very interestingly as God-fearing. There are many there because this was a high holy day and it was a very big deal as Janice alluded to or Janice over there. And so it was one of their big holidays but it's interesting the text mentions they were God-fearing. I think it's an important point. Yes, there was all kinds of people there, but specifically it's mentioning these God-fearing individuals. And they heard this commotion, and when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard their own language being spoken. Um, in some places, if you look at this in the Greek particularly, it says dialect. It speaks of the fact that these were people that didn't know language and they're speaking a language that the people understood, like each in their own. Like, wow, I understand that. They're they're speaking my language. They're speaking in my dialect, not just in a generality. So this is kind of a big deal. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Okay, that'd be a pretty amazing thing. You're suddenly hearing all this commotion, and suddenly they're hearing their language being spoken by people that don't know their language, 
then they know they don't know their language, yet they're speaking their language. We move on to 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It's an interesting thing because he's quoting Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and uh, up to 32. One thing that the Holy Spirit did change in him, because if you go back and read that text in Joel, you'll see that there's a slight change in, in what the text says and what Peter said. And that is this. In Joel it says, after this in Joel, in other words, these last days, but Peter says, in the last days, and then we're going to see what he said. What the book of Joel ultimately is about, it's about repentance. What's this message going to be about? Repentance. That is what the message is ultimately about. As, uh, as we know, uh, Pastor Kevin always points out to us, the Bible is about Jesus. Right, okay. Start in Genesis and go to Revelation. That's what this book's about. And so this message is about repentance. So in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone that's called. Now, granted, right at that moment, these things, this prophecy was not fulfilled at that moment. It is speaking of some future events. Um, for some, they believe those future events are specifically what happened in 70 AD with the destruction of Jerusalem. For many others, we believe these to be much more future events. In any event, verse 22, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. That passage that Pastor Kevin read, they knew. They knew who he was. They knew who he said he was. Everybody knew. This was not like, oh, we don't know that Jesus was declaring himself to be God. We have no idea that he said he was going to rise from the dead. No, they knew. And so now here's Peter on this glorious day making a declaration again. You know, this, this part right here where he says, This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Now, you imagine you're all hearing that. What an indictment. <laughs> what an indictment. It's like, oh, uh, we, we crucified the Messiah? Is that what we just did? I, that's what it sounds like Peter's saying, isn't it? That's what he is saying. We did it. It's on us. Remember last week, what did they say? Let his blood be upon us and our children. Whoops. 
50 days later. Uh, ooh, wow, that's what he's saying, isn't it? So I think the crowd is probably figuring this out. This is a kind of a serious thing. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Impossible. I don't care the tomb was sealed. I don't care how many guards you're going to put there. You can do whatever you want. No, Jesus Christ is going to raise from the dead. Guess why that rock was rolled away from the tomb? It wasn't to let Jesus out. That just let everybody know he was gone. Okay, that wasn't so he could get out. All right, he already left. All right, uh, what's that they do in concerts? Uh, they, they left the building. He left the building or something like that. Or, huh? Elvis left. Yeah, Elvis left the building. Okay, all right, no. <laughs> there you go. All right, Elvis left. No, Jesus already left the tomb. The rock's getting rolled away just so everybody knows that. That's, that's all that's about, in case you're you know, kind of wondering. Verse 29, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried in his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had raised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his, on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God raised him, Jesus, to life, and we are all witnesses of it, and we are all witnesses of it here. Okay? Because we are Christ's followers. And we have declared that Christ is the Messiah and that we have apprehended him, that we have called upon his name and we have repented of our sins and asked him to come into our lives. And so we are witnesses as well. God has raised Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you see see and hear. What was the reason for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit? To confirm once again that Jesus Christ is Lord and God and living and active through the Holy Spirit that that has been given to all of us to believe. We've given that opportunity. We can all believe. We can all call on Jesus Christ. We have called on Jesus Christ, have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, that gives us power to do the things we're supposed to do. All right. Question is, one of the questions, are we allowing that to happen? Do we shrink back when we have an opportunity? We heard today that we've had opportunities, and many of you took advantage of the opportunities. That's fabulous. I was talking to Todd earlier. He was mentioning that he had an opportunity with a friend of his. That's fabulous. You know, have an opportunity to speak a few words, if that's all you get, or more than a few, if that's what you get. But it's an opportunity. Hebrews uh, 12.2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand, at the right hand of the throne of God. I put that there because it was... Terrible what he went through. It was shameful what he went through. He endured that suffering by his own creation to save his own creation. I I don't know, sometimes, I I know we talk about it, and I don't know if sometimes we just don't sit down like 
occasionally I do, grasping the magnitude of that. The Creator was put to death by the creation to save the created. That's astounding. That doesn't exist in any other belief system anywhere on earth. Which, why it does create a stumbling block for some people. Because it's hard to understand or believe. But yet that is the case. Verse 36, we're back. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will... We see the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Powerful message. Message of repentance. Pentecost, in my mind, has always been about repentance. It's a miraculous thing. It's a powerful thing. It's our opportunity to apprehend God provided for us, the Comforter, the one that comes alongside, the paracletus in the Greek, uh, he comes alongside, he gives us strength, he comforts us, and many of us need comfort every day of the week, okay? And so that's an important thing. But he empowers us simultaneously to do the things he has foreordained for each one of us to do. Remember that's in the Bible, right? He's got things planned out for all of us to be doing, every one of us here. I don't care how old you are, I don't care how young you are. He still has stuff for you to do. So, I look around. We've got a few uh, older folks than myself. <laughs> and then we've got a lot of younger ones than myself. We all have opportunities and we all have jobs to do because the Lord has them planned out and has foreordained them. And the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the power to do it. That's where we get the power to do it. If you're trying to do God's stuff in your own power, I guarantee you're going to have a bad time, you're going to wear out, and you're going to fail probably. Pretty good chance you will. Limited success. But if you're going to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit because he gave you the direction to go do that, you're probably going to be very successful at that. So those are the things that are really important. A little bit of the context, you know, behind the Pentecost. You know, okay, we know the, the disciples were scared. They were in the upper room. They, they're pretty scared. Right, uh, they, the persecution's already begun against Christians, right? They're, but but they're being obedient because what did Jesus tell them? Wait for the Holy Spirit. So where where did they get that information from? Oh, they saw Jesus. That's right. Remember what did they decide to do right after the crucifixion? Let's go fishing. Why? Well, you know they're just going to return to what they were doing. Can you imagine that? I mean, you're with the Savior for three, three and a half years, and you're doing all this Savior stuff and seeing mir- mir- miracles and day, and then. Then he's dead. And then he comes back. And then he's giving them a commission. And then he tells them, now you go wait there until the Holy Spirit comes. So you have the power to do what I told you to do, which is go out into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. Right? So they're being obedient. They're here. But they're scared. I mean, think about it. You're being hunted. So it's not like they were feeling real groovy about their situation there. It's like a little tenuous, but they know this is going to come. And so the Holy Spirit comes. This comforter comes. It comes in a way they weren't expecting that. They didn't expect this to be how it was. 
I don't even know if they knew. They, they had no idea. It's like, well, okay, Holy Spirit's coming. We don't know what the Holy Spirit is exactly, and what He's going to do precisely, or how He's going to show up. They don't know. And then all of a sudden, it shows up. The thing of it is, God has to empower each and every one of us to do what? Preach the good news. That's what every one of us do here every day. You get to go out and preach the good news. What's the good news? Jesus is Lord. He came to this earth. He provided a way of salvation for every one of us. Good news. That's fabulous news. And so God had to give us the power to do it, and he does. Every one of us is called on the name of Jesus Christ and has the Holy Spirit with him. We have the power to go forward and give the good news. So there it is. Uh, Pastor Kevin here relies on that good news every week and that power when he preaches his message up here from this pulpit. That, that power's got to come from the Holy Spirit. If it comes from Kevin, Kevin tells us every week, oh, it can't be me. It's got to be the Holy Spirit through me. That's everybody, every day, all the time, whether you're preaching or whether you're teaching or whether you're working or whatever it is you're doing. So, very important. The uh, Pentecost in the Jewish tradition was 50 days after the Passover was the celebration of the first fruit, marking the end of the grain harvest. Among other things was the waving of loaves, the bread, the symbolizing of the new things to come. We read later the new wine and the significance of it being placed in what? New wine skins. Okay, Holy Spirit, new wine, new wine skins, new people, rejuvenated. Uh, When we talk about this idea, born again, you know, I, I know it's become this kind of cliche term. And a lot of folks out there in the world don't even know what we're talking about because it's been so, I don't know, spoken of and sat, uh, I guess saturated to a level that they don't even know what we're talking about. You can have born-again bread, I guess, you know, from what I've been reading. You know, it's like, what does that mean? Well, it was reconstituted from something else. I, you know, so it's all just saying. So it's kind of confusing when we try to explain to people, what, what, well, what is this? Well, this is the substance of it. When you've come to Christ and you're born again and that Holy Spirit empowers and indwells you, then you have power and you are born again and you're going to do stuff. Uh, I hope all of you can remember that day that you came to Christ, came to faith. I mean, some it's more obvious. Some maybe you grew up in the church and it was kind of like, okay, and, and at some point you accepted Christ as your Savior and you kind of trundled on along with your life. But for some it was dramatic, just incredible. You know, um, so I remember our brother John Pitts and his testimony, which you would have heard. Pretty dramatic, pretty pretty amazing things that go on. Um, the symbolism of what was going on at that moment was not lost on the disciples, on the apostles, on the people hearing us. Mighty rushing wind. Okay, just imagine these windows were open and all of a sudden this wind come blowing through this whole place and our stuff went flying out the window. Well, pretty mighty and rushing. That would get your attention, wouldn't it? It would get all your attention. Like, whoa, look at that. That was powerful. And then these things that look like clothes and tongues of fire resting on their heads. No, I'm not seeing any fire on your heads at the moment. But but if I did, I would, I would tell you right away, that look at that. No. All right. So... Now you're sitting there, and you see uh, there's 120 of there, and all of a sudden you see fire on your head. What, well, wouldn't that be something? I'd say that would be something, right? 
But the whole thing, the wind, the fire, the smoke, this is not lost on them. What was it when they came out of Egypt? What do they remember seeing? Clouds, fire, smoke. They saw all that stuff. They understood what was going on. It was a big deal. It was the Holy Spirit of God. And in in that day, it was a visible thing the entire camp could see. All right, here these guys are, 120 of them. They're like, wow. And all of a sudden, they start speaking in foreign tongues. They don't know. This is pretty amazing stuff. I mean, I know we go ho-hum. Well, yeah, I've written the Bible 45,000 times. But no, this is amazing. It's a big deal. All right? Exciting. Yay. Okay, I'm just right. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Exactly. Now you're getting it. Okay, don't worry, Everett. I won't get too more excited. That's, that's, that's all right. Any right. event. Okay. All right. At that instance... You see this glory, you see this power, you see these men who are suddenly energized to go do the thing. And now Peter, the spokesman, who has been kind of like in the background, in a sense, but now is in the foreground, and he gives this message of power and hope to these people. Hope. Because once he explains what you did, now you're feeling pretty remorseful. Wow, the Messiah showed up, the one we've been waiting for all this time, and then we killed him? Oh, my goodness. But then the good news, don't worry, he raised from the dead. It's okay. And we're witnesses. We saw him. We are witnesses. He did raise from the dead. And so what do we do? Repent and call on the name of Jesus. What do we do? Okay, that's how we fix the problem. You repent and you call on the name of Jesus. And then you will also be indwelled by the same Holy Spirit that you see here today. In us, with what's going on. These incredible signs was for their benefit to understand that God was present. That His Holy Spirit was available for them to walk in power and in faith. Because guess what they were going to be facing? A lot of tribulation. (laughs) Yeah, this wasn't like welcome. Oh yes, the Pharisees were just so happy about all this. Yeah, look at them. 3,000 in one day. What? We went from 120 to 3,000 more and multiplying so fast they couldn't believe it. So no, they weren't welcomed, okay? So this is my point. You have to have the Holy Spirit power in you to do the things that God wants you to do. You can't do it on your own. If you try, it's not going to work out so good for you. I can guarantee you that much. Each of us has to deal with this world. We were talking about it in our class today. Uh, we, we rub up against it every day of the week. And, and we've got this world out here that's trying to make us conform to its standard. But our standards aren't their standard. Yet are we conforming to their standard or are we going to help them try to understand who Christ is and to conform to the Christian standard? Which one is it going to be? I mean, we've got this constant thing going on here. So now, the question. What are you doing with that power? What are you doing with that power? Is the power of the Holy Spirit in you real? In other words, do you sense His presence in you? I hope you do. I mean, I know it's not like every second I'm walking down the road and going, yeah, I feel your presence. Uh, No, that's not how it works. I'm in a rotten crawl space, imagine this, with mud and garbage, and I got all these spiders on my head. No, I'm not feeling that groovy. Dan Johnson can relate in the back there. Yes. Um, No, I'm not saying, oh, Holy Spirit, it's so swell. No, that's not what I'm doing. I'm like, I can't wait till I get out of this hole. <laughs> but no. 
But I am so thankful and grateful. Why? Because I have an opportunity in my profession to see people every day of the week and, and maybe I get to even witness to them and tell them about Christ. Maybe I get that opportunity. Maybe. Have I? That's tongues. I can't get Good one. All right. So maybe I get to speak to them about Christ. And maybe you do too. And your opportunities there. That, that, that's what you're, you know, that should be part of it. It can't be just academic for us. Just, yeah, I know. I read it right here. It's, it's right there. I know. Yeah. Okay. No. It has to be more than just academic for us. It has to be a reality. Um, you've, you've heard Kim and I, and we've preached, uh, talked about things that we've experienced in our life that the Holy Spirit put us in situations and things happened and we just sit back going like, well, that was pretty amazing. Uh, how did that happen? You know, it sure wasn't us and it wasn't what we were looking to go do. But yet, you know, we, well, you rely on the Holy Spirit to do stuff. All right? Because if you're going to do it in your own strength, you're probably going to fall on your face. But if he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Um, you guys remember the fire in 2015? I know it's way back there. Yeah. You heard about it, yeah. You know, I don't know if you guys remember that you posted thing back in the back over there about all the God things we all saw happen. Oh, yeah, that was real. That was tangible. We saw stuff. Everybody saw all kinds of stuff and participated in seeing all kinds of stuff. And by the grace of God, we survived. Yeah, not, not everything was perfect, but we didn't have a loss of life. Yeah, we lost a lot of property, a lot of stuff. But, but we saw something real and tangible. We saw the hand of God. We came as a body. We, we prayed. We prayed hard, didn't we? Everybody was praying every day. Guys on the tractors. <laughs> yeah, you were praying a lot. Because I saw some of you driving through fire. I'm like, these guys, I don't know about these guys. I don't know. They drive right through fire. Okay. Praying a whole lot. We're trusting that the Lord is protecting and His Holy Spirit is going forth to protect us. And so, yeah, we have things tangible. That you can reflect on. If you're, if you're drawing a blank, as I had talked to my sister this morning, and, and I guess the Holy Spirit wanted me to talk to her this morning, I guess, because she was like, oh, I needed that word of encouragement. And I said, okay, good, I encourage you. Uh, but, well, I, the, reason, the actual reason I called her was because of an event that occurred when we were children where the Holy Spirit visited in our home. And I may have told this story before. Maybe I didn't. I don't remember. Um, but it was one of these events. So uh, we have all, all the... Uh, uh, the Greeks that were coming together to meet in our home, and we'd have Bible studies and fellowships. And uh, so we had a particular uh, Greek pastor who came from uh, from California to visit. He was visiting his sister, and and he was encouraging our, our body of belief, little group, about a dozen or so. Uh, and I realized if you're Greek, you're Greek Orthodox, right? No, we weren't. We were, <laughs> we were Pentecostals. So that made us really oddballs. But. But these were a bunch of other Greek folks, and some were good Orthodox, and some were kind of Pentecostal. Any event, uh, this brother was encouraging us and praying. Now, understand something. Was everybody in Jerusalem a believer? No. Were they all seeking God? No. No, there was a lot of people there. I have to say, unfortunately, at that particular point in time, my dad was not. Okay. In fact, dad was there, as he usually was, going like, you guys are so full of blood. I don't, I, geez, I don't know what you guys are talking about. And, and so this pastor happened to mention the fact that in one of their services, they sensed the Spirit of God so powerfully that his angels were present in their sanctuary. My dad's like, what? You, that's ridiculous. I never, now understand, this is all in Greek, and we're little kids, and we're watching all this because, okay, understand, we have to 
a table, living room. It's, a, it's just a small bungalow of a house. My brother and I are up on the stairwell uh, watching through the rails. And, and the only reason we're really watching all this is because it was dessert time. And, and so we're waiting for dessert. And, and you have to understand, and, and I think it's all the Middle East and all the Mediterranean. Well, you don't get dessert until after the adults get to have the dessert. After they have the dessert, then you can go get your dessert. So we're just like, get the dessert. So we can get dessert. And so my brother and I are just, well, oh, come on, dessert time. And then dad's going back and forth. And my sister's down the hall with her little friends or whatever. And then all of a sudden we hear this sound, like a buzzing, like, I'll say it, flapping wings, if you will. And we're like, looking around. Hummingbirds, good, nailed it. Kind of like that. That's, that's, yeah, like that. And then suddenly, on this dining room table, all the plates were set for the dessert and everything. There's dew on the entire table. It's just on the table. That's the only place that dew is at. And it's just on the table. It's like miraculously, boom, there it is. And the whole table's got dew on it. And it, I talk, talk about, Dad went silent, quiet. <laughs> ain't nothing he could say now. He was like, the part I couldn't remember was, you know, because as I know, my sister and my brother and I were it and the other little kids that witnessed that fact. But my mother took a picture of this. Somewhere that picture exists. I don't know where it's at. But talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, we weren't going to get dessert anytime soon, trust me. <laughs> I mean, they just broke into thunderous prayers and jubilation and it's like, Forget dessert for us, for us little kids. Because my sister came running out of the room when she heard the buzzing sound, and the other little kids, and we're like, and then all whoosh, the whole table's covered in this angelic dew. And I went, okay. So I have certain expectations. I will tell you that when I pray and when I see things, I expect the Holy Spirit to do stuff. I mean, maybe you all don't because I know you didn't see all that stuff, but I do. I expect stuff to happen. So when I'm praying, I expect things are going to happen. So uh, just know that. And I hope you're all the same way. Um, you know, it reminded me at that point in time of Gideon, you know. He wanted a fleece. Well, my dad wasn't asking for a fleece, but he got one. You know, <laughs> just saying. Because it was some years after that that dad did come to faith uh, in Jesus Christ. You know, but, but those were events that helped propel him and bring him to that point. I look at the scriptures and I, I, I look and see how we can be encouraged to follow Christ strong, hard after him, hard after him, and not to be ashamed of anything. There's no reason for us to be ashamed. No reason for us to shrink back. Oh, you're a Christian? Yes, I am a Christian. That's what I am. That's who I am. All right? Don't be bashful about it. Uh, be bold about it. You know, that's who we are. I expect miracles. I expect to see them. We've seen them here in his body of believers. It's not like we haven't seen that. We've seen them happen. Uh, Hebrews 5, uh, 11, 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's all of us. Okay? We have to believe that. We have to accept that. You know, for those of you that know me, I know me pretty well. I'm a very positive person. 
and uh, Dan Johnson can attest to the fact that I've said many a time, what's adversity? Another opportunity to succeed. That's what it is. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can succeed and we can overcome. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all you've done. We thank you, Lord God, that your power has been given to us through your Holy Spirit. Lord God, that we can walk in that power, that we know that that power is there because you gave it to us. Lord God, that we can be obedient to those things you tell us to do and not shrink back. To be bold in our faith, be bold in our uh, perseverance, be bold in all the things we're praying about. Father God, that we know that you're present, we know that you're active, and we know that your Holy Spirit's within us. Lord God, that as we go forth this week, that you would propel us, energize us, to know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're with us and you strengthen us and you guide us and lead us into all wisdom and all faith. In the name of Jesus, amen. Kevin Davis here, pastor at Woodland Fringe Church. First of all, thank you if you tune in from week to week. Uh, We're glad to have a church outside of the four walls here. And uh, I pray that um, everything you hear would help you grow in your faith. Hey, I want to let you know about a ministry that Woodland Fringe Church does not officially support. It's just something that I support from time to time personally. And uh, this is only uh, one way I can think about getting the word out. Take a look at vermontchurchplanting.com. Yep, talking about the state, vermontchurchplanting.com. And if you feel so inclined to give, if you're not giving anywhere, or if you want to give above what you're giving at your local church, I want to direct you there. Uh, You can find links to give there, uh, see what they're about. They have their own podcast. So, yeah, that's one thing that um, I would encourage you to support. Thanks for listening in. We'll hear or we'll see you next time.